Praise the name of the Lord. Um, today, by the grace of, of God, we will um, continue in our series, Banishing Fear. Um, if there's still any kind of fear in our lives, um, they are finding their ways out in Jesus' name. Amen. We started by um, laying a foundation. Then the part one, we looked at banishing financial fear. In part two, we looked at banishing. Come on. Check your notes, yes. Banishing what? <laughs> Check your notes. Financial affairs is the first one. It's the second one. After the introduction, financial affairs. After financial affairs, what? Fear of rejection. That was what you were saying. Oh, you didn't say it well. <laughs> then after rejection, it's banishing fear of failure. That's part four. And today, part five, we'll be looking at banishing the fear of unexpected crisis. You know, if, if, if there's something that sometimes tries to cripple us, it's, it's the fact that we, we are afraid of, of, of crisis that we have not anticipated. Today, God will set us free totally of such fears in Jesus' name. Totally, totally of such fears. Fear of accidents, fear of, of disasters, you know, People don't want to travel to a certain part of the world because they're afraid of earthquakes. Or if we say, okay, we're starting a church in Iraq today, um, we, we volunteer to go. Fear of ISIS. But not in God's very house. <laughs> Nobody will be afraid of ISIS in Jesus' name. And there's all sorts of unexpected incidences that can cause us to be afraid. In fact, there's um, a, an accident statistics from what is called the Joyful Noise Letter. It's a publication. And these are facts. It says to them that if you want to live your life by fear, then do not ride in a car because 20% of all fatal accidents happen with cars. I mean, who came here with a car? You entered one form of car today. Okay, I did not enter any kind of car today. Before getting here, let me see your hands up. I strolled from home to the office and to church. You, one, two, wow. <laughs> oh, I, I rode a bicycle. Now, um, they say that do not, if you want to live by fear, do not even stay at home because 17% of all accidents happen at home. They say don't walk on the streets because 15% of all accidents happen to pedestrians. They say don't travel by air, rail, or on water. Why? Because 16% of all accidents results from these activities. But listen to this. Only 0.001% of all accidents happen in church. So good to church. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> and when you come to church, don't increase the stats for us. Our text is from Matthew chapter 8, from verse 23. Matthew 8, 23 to 27. This is the story of Jesus calming the storms. It was an unexpected crisis that happened. It says... Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. 
suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with the waves breaking into the boat. And guess what Jesus was doing? Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us, we are going to drown. Verse 26, Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves. And suddenly, there was a great calm. And the disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They asked. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this man? The KJV says, what manner of man is this? That the wind and the waves obey him. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, everyone around you, we begin to say, who is this man? Who is this lady that is so exceptional and fearless? In the mighty name of Jesus. So shall it be in Jesus' name. God is saying to you and I, don't be without faith. Jesus said to the disciples, they encountered an unexpected crisis. And he said to them, don't be without faith. Our next text is from Proverbs chapter 3, 25 to 26. It's in um, your outline. It says, have no fear. Underline that, no fear. How many fears should you have? None. Have no fear. And particularly, no fear of sudden disaster. Don't be afraid of unexpected. That's what the word of God is saying to you and I. Don't be afraid of unexpected crisis. What if this happened? What if I get bankrupt? What if my husband leaves me for a younger girl? What if my children grow up and don't listen to me? What if unexpected crisis? God says, don't be afraid of it. Why? Why should you not be afraid of it? Should you be in denial? It says no. It says for the Lord. Everybody says the Lord. Underline the Lord, please, in your outline. For the Lord is your security. Amen. The Lord is your security. Your finances cannot be your security. Your, your age cannot be your security. Your good looks cannot be your security. Your oratory skills cannot be your security. Your financial skills cannot be your security. Your mechanical skills or engineering skills cannot be your security. The Lord. I will say the Lord. The Lord is your security. So, before we look at how to banish unexpected crisis, how to face it, you know, I just want to state a few facts about crisis. And we need to understand this fact about crisis as a, like, a foundation um, to this teaching. If the first thing you need to understand about crisis is that crises are inevitable. They are inevitable. They are inevitable. James 1-2 says, when you face trials. It did not say if you face trials. When you face trials. Isaiah says, when you pass through the waters, it will not overflow you. When you pass through the fire, it will not kindle upon you. It didn't say if you pass through the waters, if you pass through the fires, you are going to pass through the waters. You are going to pass through the fire. It is inevitable. Life is a chain of problems to be solved. That's life. In fact, leadership is leading from crisis to crisis. You need to understand that crises are inevitable. They are inevitable. Number two, they are, there are different types. There are different types. There's not just one type. There are different types of crises. There are situational crises, things that happen outside that affect you on the inside. There are relational crises, things that people do to you, people you're in relationship with, they just create crises, you know, and 
you know, and it's out of your control. There are emotional crises like Job. These things that happen way deep down. You are in turmoil, overwhelmed by feelings, feelings of depression, feelings of fear, of anger, of grief, of guilt, and, and even secret storms that you don't even know what it is, but you are just going through that period of an inner turmoil. Or it could be even a feeling of loneliness, you know. You can be in the middle of a lot of people and you are emotionally um, going through a storm. So there are different types. Number three, not only are they inevitable, not only are there different types of storms, number three, they are impartial. Storms are what? They are impartial. Happens to the old, happens to the young. Happens to the rich, happens to the poor. Happens to the righteous, happens to the unrighteous. Happens to those that are praying, happens to those that are not praying. Happens to those that are fasting, happens to those that are not fasting. It is impartial. Crisis happens to both good people and bad people. Matthew 5.4 says, God sends his rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. You see, you are going to have the same problem everybody has. I'm sorry. You know, unfortunately, we've been um, lied to that once you become a Christian, all your problems are gone. Have you heard that before? Oh, it's a a big lie. Proof, your life is proof. My life is proof. It's not like that. It's a lie. Praise the Lord. That is not the gospel. That is a gospel. That is not the gospel. You are going to have the same problem everyone has. However, the difference is you are going to have God's power to deal with the problem. That will be the difference. You are going to have God's power to deal with the difference, to deal with the problems. You are going to feel fear, but you are going to have God's power to overcome fear. You are going to feel anger. You are going to have God's power to overcome anger. You are going to feel depressed. But you are going to have God's power to feel better. The, the difference between you and the world is, is, is not because of what you face. You are going to face the same things. It's because of how you respond to what you face. God's power. Everybody say God's power. You are going to experience thefts. People are going to steal from you. Whether you're a Christian or not, people are even stealing from churches. Have you noticed? People, do you know that the most stolen book in the world is the Bible? I mean, people will even steal the Bible. So, it's going to happen. (laughs) You're going to experience loss. You're going to experience economic pressure. Guess what? If the dollar exchange rate is, what is it today? Tolu? What's the exchange rate? Two, two twelve today. Wow, it's two thirteen now. Nineteen. Chineke me. Point is this. Guess what? If you take your naira to the bank, they would say, "Oh, you have a cross on your head. We'll do it for you at twenty naira to a dollar." It's not going to happen. You're going to face the same thing. You're going to feel the same pressure. But you see, the beauty of being a Christian is that even if the dollar, I pray it comes down, but even if it hits 500, it will not in Jesus' name. But even if it does, you are safe. That's the beauty of being a Christian. Even if it does, my God shall supply. All my needs according to his riches glory. That's the difference. So quit trying to avoid trouble. Quit trying to wish things away. Quit trying to... And I know it's tough because that's how... uh, Well, a lot of us, if God saved when I got saved like 20 years ago, that was how we were indoctrinated. 
In fact, I remember back then when I was in serving, I was serving in the north. When we, this is how we preach the gospel. Just give your life to Jesus. Oh, your Allah. Badamoa. Everything will just go. <laughs> it's a big lie. It's, 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 it's a big lie. And I remember back then there was a lady that was, well, was, she was Catholic and, you know, I led her to Christ. I'm not even sure if I did, but in the fellowship, she gave her life to Jesus. And she was, on, she was on fire, on fire for God, totally on fire, you know. And you know that honeymoon period when it's just you and Jesus and everything is going on, you close your eyes, miracles are falling from heaven, you know, before you speak, I mean, angels are moving, you know. <laughs> And you think that's going to be like that forever? No. So she went through that period. And she was telling us how she was going to go home and convert all her family. She has been telling her mom, everybody, you need to be born again. They're like, what are you saying? We're going to church before you were born. Just wait for me. When I get home, I will show you what I'm saying. And she was just waiting to explode. Passing out parade. Everybody got their um, call up. What was it? That thing called discharge certificate, whatever it is, you know, for some reason, she did not get her own. They said she has to go to Abuja. And she was like, I prayed this morning. I gave my life to Jesus. And all these bad things are happening to me. And everybody else is rejoicing. And she told everybody of you people, you can go to hell with your Jesus. That she's just going to town. So for some reason, they came to call me, you know, that, you know, they felt she would listen to me, that, you know, you have to go and talk to her. So I carried my Bible, big Bible. <clears throat> so I went to see her. She chased me, eh? <laughs> In fact, I had to go away because if I did go away, I didn't want people to begin to think, okay, if you want, what are you doing with this lady? She had that problem because we gave her the wrong gospel. We said to her, be saved, and all your problems will vanish into thin air. We did not teach her how to overcome trials. You are going to have trials. Jesus says in this world, you will have tribulation, but you are not without hope. Be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. That is through me, you will overcome the world. Praise the name of the Lord. That's what Jesus is saying. So, uh, trials are impartial. Not only are they inevitable, not only do they, are there different types of trial, and not only are they impartial, they are unpredictable. Crises are unpredictable. Matthew 8.24, the word of God says, without warning, a furious storm came up. Without warning. Without warning. Pilots tell us that there's something called clear air turbulence. They say, the pilot says, you don't see it, but when you hit it, you feel it. (laughs) This clear air turbulence, you are flying in the air, you don't see any storm, but when you hit that unseen storm, you feel it. And that is usually, a lot of us have bumped into a lot of clear air turbulences and, you know, it kind of tries to um, send us back years. But God, we help us recover in Jesus' name. So we can't always predict when a tragedy will happen. Always we can't. Sometimes we can. If you stay with God, sometimes God will int you. I can tell you stories upon stories of how God has inted me about many things. But sometimes, nothing. The thing just catches me unawares. You can't always guarantee that you will know. So what you can guarantee, what you can be guaranteed of is the fact that you know how to handle it when it comes, which is what um, we are doing today. Some people even say you must have disobeyed God if you have troubles. Have you heard that before? You have troubles, oh, check your life. Check your life, you know. Guess what? The disciples obeyed Jesus. 
Jesus says, let's go. And they entered the boat with Jesus and they still had troubles. I mean, how much can you be in God's will that being in the boat with Jesus heading in the same direction? Praise the Lord. <laughs> so, crises are unpredictable. They are inevitable. They are different types. They are impartial. They are unpredictable. And number five, what I should know about crisis, I can choose my response. I can choose my responses. I, I, I can choose my responses. You can choose your responses. You know, if you put two people in the same situation, it's strangely, same situation, two people, they respond differently. Why? One person chooses to respond in a certain way, another person chooses to respond in another way. If you look at this story, Jesus on one hand, the disciples on the other hand. In verse 25, the disciples, they responded in panic. In panic. These are the pros. I hope you are feeling um, the blanks. These are the pros. A lot of them were fishermen. They grew up on this lake of Galilee. But they panicked when they saw the storm. The storm that panics the pro must be a serious storm. Praise the Lord. The, 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 the issue that makes when, you're, when a doctor wants to tell you what is happening and the doctor begins to sweat, you, you know that there's fire on the mountain. Praise the name of the Lord. That's what is happening here. That's the first way to respond. They responded in panic. But look at how did Jesus respond. Verse 24b, Jesus responded in peace. They responded in panic. Jesus responded how? Jesus responded in peace. Fantastic. He responded in peace. A fierce storm struck the lake with waves. But Jesus was sleeping. Jesus was sleeping. I mean, look at Jesus. Don't you just love him? <laughs> it shows us two things from Jesus' life here. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted for us to do a year-long series on Jesus. I mean, it would even finish. Jesus had preached all day. He was tired. He was human. Jesus is human. Doesn't that make you feel good? He was human. He was tired. That's the first thing that I, I see here about Jesus. He was tired. Second thing is, he wasn't worried. Even though he was human, he was not worried. Jesus was not worried. And if I must be like Jesus, what should happen to my worry? I should ease it out of my life. I should ease worry out of my life. Jesus was setting an example for us in this. You know, his life is our, is our example. Jesus was setting an example for us. What is the example Jesus was setting for us? Sleeping can be a statement of faith. That's the example Jesus set for us. That sleeping can what? Be a statement of faith. You are going through a lot of, there's a lot happening around you. But you can still go and sleep. It can be a statement of faith. In fact, ironically, human beings will react to crisis by losing sleep. Have you noticed? A lot of people react to crisis by losing sleep. But Jesus' reaction is to give sleep. He says, Psalm 127 verse 2, he gives his beloved sleep. The natural human reaction is to lose sleep. You are thinking about your life. Say, Pastor, I've not been able to sleep. What are you doing? I'm thinking about my life. What life? Sleep. In Jesus' name. Listen, I'm telling you this again. I'm, what I'm, everything I'm sharing, I'm sharing from my heart. I'm sharing from my 
my, how I live my life. Some of you can ask my wife, I mean, you talk to her. There has been no issue that has kept me from sleeping. None. Not one. That I will even, that it will even take 30 minutes of my, only 30 minutes. It's not going to happen. I'm going to hit that bed and I'm going to snooze off. Don't kill yourself. And you see, if you, a lot of you know, but I mean, I've been through a lot. And nothing takes my sleep. Why? What I'm teaching you today. Nothing takes my sleep. Nothing. Oh, maybe work. My colleague will say, Pastor, we know what takes your sleep work. Maybe. Maybe prayer. Maybe. But not worry. Never. Praise the name of the Lord. Make up your mind. I will not lose my sleep to fear again. Never again. Never again. Make up your mind. Make up your mind. Jesus chose to sleep. So you say, okay, Pastor, fine. Fantastic. How can I have this kind of peace? How can I banish the fear of unexpected crisis? How can I? Three things. And we are done. How can I banish the fear of unexpected crisis and face it headlong? How can I? A. I refocus on God's closeness. I refocus on God's closeness. Get your mind off the crisis and onto Christ. Get your mind off the crisis and onto Christ. I refocus on how close Jesus is to me. If you read this scripture, the, I mean, I've, many of you know, I've preached from this passage of scripture many, many times. And every time, it's just, I'm just a different type, size of Jesus. Look at it. Verse 23 says, Then Jesus got into the boat. Where was Jesus when the storm was raging? Where was Jesus? In the same boat, Jesus was near. God is near. God is near. Jesus was near. Yes, the presence of Jesus does not eliminate this. I mean, does not mean the storm will not happen. But Jesus was near. Question. So, who was in the boat with them? Jesus. Second question, if Jesus, what boat is being shaken in your life? What, what boat? Think about it. What boat? If Jesus is in that boat, will you be afraid? Jesus in my boat of my finances, my life. Will you be afraid? Can't you see how primitive these disciples are? Jesus was in their boat. They were afraid. If Jesus was physically in your house today and, and somebody's banging on your door, a uh, burglar, will you be afraid? If Jesus is physically in your house today and maybe one of your cho- children is, is being sick and is turning his eyes, you just laugh. <laughs> just say, well, Jesus, take Jerry. <laughs> if Jesus were in your finances and, and, and you put your ATM card and the ATM machine rejects your card, the first time, the third, second time, third time, just swallows it and says, since you refuse to recognize you don't have money, we will seize this card from you. What would, would, would you fret if Jesus is, 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 in your, is in your business and every business around you is going down? Would you be afraid if Jesus were in your career and they are firing everybody and you are not ready to be fired yet? Would you be afraid? Of course not. So you see, these disciples, they don't even know the value of Jesus. If it were you, you wouldn't be afraid, would you? Guess what? Jesus is in your boat. 
is in your boat. He is, absolutely. He's in your boat. He's right there in your boat. He's there. So where is the fear coming from? I must refocus on God's closeness. I must refocus on what? On God's closeness. That is where personal relationship with God is so key. It is so inevitable. It is so, so inevitable. I must focus on God's closeness. You cannot get to close to God by proximity to man. I know we do it a lot. You have to get to God, close to God by proximity to Christ. Yes, men can help disciple you, but ultimately, your hunger is for Jesus. You know, I remember some, some time ago, years ago, I was coming into the country from, I think, the UK. I was on a virgin flight. And, you know, I've, I've, in my life, I've flown a bit. <laughs> and I've seen some storms. I've never seen, till date, before then, until date, I've never seen a storm like that. The aircraft would drop, I kid you not, for 20 seconds. Well, it looked like more than 20 seconds. I'm just trying to, in reality, it's 20 seconds. As in, you just, we're going through, the pilot described it as a lightning mine. We're going through a lightning mine. You see a lightning miss the, the, the wings of the plane. Miss, literally miss it. Before we got on that plane, you know, I saw some guys, they had all this alcohol, champagne, everybody, big boy, you know. <laughs> During the storm, Jesus! <laughs> everybody, I tell you, everybody was shouting Jesus. Everybody. Everybody was praying. Come and see praise and worship. <laughs> I'm telling you, in a pretty play, I'm serving a God of miracles. <laughs> I know. Even, listen, even babes that you think they don't know how to shout hallelujah. Huge hallelujah. Praise it. And there I was. Honestly, we weren't sure of coming out of that place alive, on that plane alive. Nobody was sure. So I sat there, and I was like, okay, am I coming home? I, 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 all I wanted to do, I didn't even join all their prayer and shouting of Jesus. <laughs> Come, Jesus, you didn't shout. <laughs> you know? I was just trying to discern God's mind, hear from the Holy Spirit. What is going on? Is this the end? You know, da 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 da. And, you know, long story short, miraculously, we landed in Togo. We stayed in Togo for at least five, six hours before they had to go off. Because that route to Lagos was deadly. Then I got off. Everybody got off. Come and see where we go to Lagos. <laughs> Hallelujah. Everybody, Hallelujah with chorus, I'm telling you, from the back of the plane to the front of the plane. <laughs> and we all got back. I didn't know who was in the plane or not. Da, 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 da. Apparently, my point is this. Apparently, a friend's brother, younger brother, was in the plane, was sitting way behind me. He had seen me, I hadn't seen him. He was telling his brother that when everybody was shouting and that, he says he knew that this plane was not going down. That guy is in this plane. 
No, 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 no. Listen, I'm not saying this because I could have prevented the plane. That's not what I'm saying. Even me, I was asking God, is it the end? If I told you that. He was telling he was so confident. This movie, they don't know what they're saying. That guy? That guy in this plane? This plane is not coming down. That was his confidence. Because of a man, a fallible man, ordinary flesh and blood. How much more if Jesus was in that plane? If our confidence in life is rooted in the fact that Jesus in this, is in this plane, this plane, this plane is, not, is not those diving. It's not, it's not, it's not those diving. And, and there's a lot of confusion. And, and you're just like, the good thing that was calm. Assuming that I joined them shouting, I say, yeah, but come and see, people lost their composure totally. But you see, death, <laughs> there's no more posing. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. If Jesus is in our boats, is in our planes of our lives, and we can be as confident as that guy, even more obviously more confident. For some of us, we don't even have that confidence, even though Jesus is there. We can look at these disciples and, and criticize them. How could they have doubted? But God is saying to you and I, Jesus is in your boat. Isaiah 43 verse 1 and 2 says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. This, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, he says, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned. The flame will not consume you. Don't be afraid. I want you to look at your neighbor again and, and, and if you still remember their name, say to them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You see, you, you know why? It's the same thing I've been saying. The reason why you should not be afraid is that you never, ever go through crisis by yourself. As a child of God, you never go through crisis alone. Never. Whether you would tap into God or not is another thing entirely. But you never go through crisis yourself. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. So if God is near, then there is no fear. If God is near, then there is no fear. So number one, I must refocus on God's closeness. Number two, I must relax in God's care. I must, I must relax in God's care. This um, uh, parable was narrated in the four Gospels. In, in, in Mark's account of, of this same story, in Mark 4, 38, the, the, the word of God says that the disciples said to him, teacher, don't you care? Can you see that? Don't you care if we drown? <laughs> don't you care if we drown? You see, when we go through crisis, the first thing we tend to do is to question God's care. And God's love for us. When we go through crisis, the first thing we tend to do is to question, does God really love me? If God loves me, why am I the one that has to go through this? Does God love me? Oh God, does God, I mean, and we question and question and question. It's the same thing. But you see, I'm here to say to you today, don't question God's care. Because God's love for you is unexplainable. I can't even, none of us can even really begin to wrap our mind around it. So, what do I do, Pastor? Focus on the fact that he's 
not only near, that he also cares. So relax. That's the truth. Just relax. God is not only near, he also cares. He also cares. Psalm 112, 6-9. I love this um, um, passage of scripture from the Living Bible. Psalm 112, 6-9. It says, the believer, it's in, your, it's in your outline, the believer will not be overthrown by evil circumstances. It says, God's constant care for him. What kind of care? Constant. Unbreakable. God's constant care for of him will make a deep impression on all who see it. It does not fear bad news nor live in dread of what may happen. For he is settled in his mind. What is settled in his mind? Let's read it together. That God will take care. Ah, that God will take care of him. That is why he's not afraid. But calmly, everybody say calmly. Calmly faces his foes. He also has foes, but he calmly faces his foes. He calmly faces his foes. So God is close and God cares. God is near and God cares. At least one thing the disciples did right was that they took their affairs to Jesus. At least they did that right. They, they, they went to Jesus even though they, they prayed the wrong prayer. They questioned his care. They questioned his, his love. But at least they went to Jesus. They did not pray to, <coughs> to Saint Peter. They did not pray to, to Mary. Nobody was still praying to Mary. They did not pray to a candle. They did not, did not chant. They did not hold a talisman. They did not look for a prophet. They went to Jesus. Now, you see, when you run to, when you have crisis, reveals who your Savior is. When you run to, when you have crisis, reveals who your Savior is. It's not when you run to when you are all dressed up fine on, on Sunday. That's not what reveals who your Savior is. It's not when you run to when you just get a new car. When you run to when you have crisis, where do you run to? That is where your Savior is. If it is not to Jesus, you are going to have a problem with storms. Because only Jesus can calm the wind and the storms. Where do you run to? So to banish the fear of unexpected crisis, number one, I must refocus on God's closeness. B, I must what? Relax in God's care. C, I must rely on God's control. I must rely on God's control. I must rely on God's control. Mark 4.36 says, Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Completely. Now, that word, peace be still, quiet be still, in the original, do you know what it means? It's a strong word. It means sit down and shut up. That's what it means. So Jesus looked at the storms and the winds and said, sit down and shut up. Wow. And two miracles happened. It's not just one. The wind ceased. But if you are, if you are accustomed to, 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 to the ocean, or, you, know, you, you will know that even when the wind ceases, the wave still continues. The storm still continues before they die down. But when Jesus rebuked it, the wind, the Bible says the wind and the waves ceased. Wow. Praise the name of our Lord. So what's the key here? The key is simple. Nothing is beyond God's control. Nothing. Nothing is beyond God's control. That is the key here. Nothing is beyond God's control. 
Remember, Jesus did not say, this wind, where is it from? This storm, you know, it could, it could possibly be from two sources. It could be from nature, because there are natural storms, and it could be from the enemy, because the enemy always wants to kill God's children. His, 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 his purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus, when he rose up, he did not say, is it the, the great-grandmother in the village? Or is it the auntie? Or is it... Sometimes people are just preoccupied with things that are irrelevant. Speak to the storm. It doesn't matter where it's from. <laughs> doesn't matter. Stop suspecting people. They mean well for you. Stop suspecting them. Jesus wasn't bothered with the source of the storm. Jesus spoke to the storm. I don't know what the storm is. Don't preoccupy yourself. Pastor, I know God speaks to you. Please tell me which of my aunties is behind this thing. I know it's one of them. <laughs> I always laugh. I laugh because it is relevant. It's irrelevant. The relevant thing is the storm will cease in your life in Jesus' name. Amen. Say amen. amen. The storm will cease. Because there are, there are three facts of, of, of life. Fact number one, fear occurs when we feel out of control. That's where fear occurs. When we feel out of control, fear comes. Fact number two, most of life's issues are beyond your control. So most of life's issues are beyond your control. So what does that mean? Fear comes when things are outside of your control. Most of life's issues are beyond your control. What does that tell you? Life is filled with fear. That is all. So what do I do? The secret, fact number three, of overcoming Fear is a person. I keep saying this from the beginning of this series. The, the secret, the key to overcoming fear is not in a formula. It's in a person. And that person is who? Jesus. It's Jesus. Psalm 91 verse 1 to 5, it says, Whoever goes to the Lord for safety and protection can say to him, You are my defender and protector. You are my God. In you, I trust. He, such a person, a God rather, will keep you safe from all hidden danger. Therefore, you need not fear. You need not fear. So he's close. And he's not only close, he's, he cares. And he's not only close and he cares, he's in control. <laughs> That's it. He's close, he cares, he's in control. What else can a man ask for? God with you, God cares for you, and God is in control of everything that concerns you. So why should you lose sleep? Go and sleep, my friend. Go and sleep. If I'm to solve this teaching up in a sentence, is this. We fear too much because we trust God too little. I'm filling the blanks. We, we, we fear too much because we trust God how? Too Little. God is close. God cares. And God is in control. So, did Jesus know that this storm was coming? Yes. Why didn't he stop the storm? Why did he allow them to enter the boat? Why didn't he just tell them, you know what, let's take another route? Why, 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 why? Simple. To teach them a lesson 
that we all must learn from experience. To teach all of us a lesson. Everybody must learn this lesson by experience. What's the lesson, Pastor? What's the lesson? Simple. Christ Jesus can be trusted in crisis. That's the lesson. You can trust Jesus in crisis. That's the lesson. In Deuteronomy, I think three, God was saying to the, to the Jews, I suffered you to go through the wilderness. I suffered you to hunger. You went through the storms. You went through battles so that you can know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God so that you can know that Christ can be trusted in crisis. You are going through that. The day you learn that Christ can be trusted in crisis, in your crisis begins to calm. The storms begin to calm. So God is always close to me. God always cares for me. And God is always in control of my affairs. Everybody say after me, God is always close to me. God always cares for me. And God is always in control of my affairs. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Tell it in my heart,